When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pentecost, what a day. What a scripture. I, I find this entire section, I know it's a long one, um, but I, I, and I, I really do appreciate uh, Reverend Dr. Boykin and Reverend uh, Curtis Wright reading this for us. Um, but it's, it's interesting because of how much is packed into this section. And it's kind of, they're kind of just really casual about it. For instance, verse 3, divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. That's odd. That's not a normal occasion. I'm not sure if, you know, perhaps you've been out and about in the world roaming around the marketplace and all of a sudden somebody's head like catches on fire or something. I don't know what this looked like, but this is an odd occasion. And, you know, I, I would love for us to spend, you know, a couple of hours just unpacking and being able to uh, dive into just what that verse is talking about, because there really is some rich stuff here. Like why, whenever we get down to uh, verse 12, that um, everybody who's hearing the disciples speak in their own language are only amazed at the fact that the disciples speak more than one language, apparently, and aren't so concerned about their heads being on fire. I don't know. We could, once again, we could really dive into this a whole lot, but that's not what I want us to focus on today. Today, I want us to focus on the Holy Spirit. And 
It really is a, a bit heartbreaking. We've talked about this before, but that the season of Pentecost is really the only time we, as United Methodists, spend a decent amount of time talking about the Holy Spirit. But before we get in there, a little bit of background on what Pentecost is all about. Uh, I don't know about you, but growing up, I never questioned the term Pentecost. Whenever I heard it growing up in the church, it was just like, oh yeah, that's the day whenever everything turns red for some reason, as you can see around here. Um, and then the preacher talks a lot more about the Holy Spirit, which is a very confusing entity altogether. But as for the term itself, I never really got it. But as it turns out, the term Pentecost has a very rich background to it. Now I'll go ahead and uh, let, you off, let you down easy. It's not a Greek word for the Holy Spirit or the church or anything like that. Uh, penta, that's the root of this word, means 50. And it really is, a, it really just means the 50 days after Passover. 50 days after Passover. So that's what we've got here before us. We've had 50 days pass since the Passover celebration, or for us, Easter, Passover in the Jewish tradition. And what would normally happen after these 50 days after the Passover in Jewish culture, the uh, Jews would gather together to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. I know that sounds kind of strange, but the Feast of Weeks, and yes, weeks as in like seven days in a week, the Feast of Weeks. Uh, this celebration was meant, to was meant to be a reminder of when the Jewish people received the Torah, the law, the, uh, the first five books of the Bible, if you will, but um, whenever the Jewish people received the law of God, the Torah. Um, and so this great celebration was going on, and then all of a sudden the disciples who are trying to figure out what on earth their life is supposed to look like now that uh, their Lord and Savior has ascended into heaven, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit descends upon them like a rush of violent wind, and it fills the entire place where they are. And all of a sudden, tongues of fire fall down, and they begin speaking in other languages as the Spirit gives them power. So for Christians, we end up celebrating Pentecost, the 50 days after Passover or, or after Easter, the Feast of Weeks, as the day in which we were given the Holy Spirit, the day in which the Holy Spirit came to dwell among us. So, who or what is the Holy Spirit? We've had this conversation before, but it's still uh, entirely too confusing to unpack in even just a single sermon. The Holy Spirit is one of the members of the Trinity, uh, a, a person of the Godhead. We have, you know, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or however you would like to classify them. Um, not however, there's some heresy out there. But anyways, I digress. Uh, the Holy Spirit is that member of the Trinity which, uh, whose function is shared by the Father and Son, but that, this person is, the Holy Spirit is the advocate that Jesus talks about in the book of John. This entity that was to be sent after Jesus uh, was crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended, this is the advocate that comes on our behalf. But even still, there's a lot of confusion about who or what the Holy Spirit is or what and how the Holy Spirit does things and when and all of these questions that we could uh, drop right in here. But there's one thing that I want us to, to pay attention to here when we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we speak about the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit is what we make room for the Holy Spirit to be. Let that soak in for a minute. The Holy Spirit is what we make room for the Holy Spirit to be. Um, to put it another way, the Holy Spirit isn't really a forceful entity. It's not like you're just sitting there one day and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's going to rush over you and throw you into convulsions and make you start speaking in tongues and casting out demons and stuff. Um, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is a patient entity. The Holy Spirit is breath itself, wind. I love that, you know, when we have this term Holy Spirit, the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, also means wind, breath, air. Uh, it kind of gives this understanding that the Holy Spirit is, as we make room for the Holy Spirit to be, just as the wind blows as there is room for the wind to blow. For example, if there's a big mountain in the way, the wind is not going to blow and knock over the mountain. It's going to blow around the mountain. If there's a house in the way, same thing, unless there's a tornado. The wind isn't going to knock the house over, but it's going to blow around the house to where there is room for the wind to go. The Holy Spirit works in very much the same way. Where we make room for the Holy Spirit to be, that's where the Holy Spirit will be. And so that's where we have a charge upon ourselves to make room for the Holy Spirit. And now we get to the question of when we're talking about who or what the Spirit is, uh, what or how the Spirit does, we get to why the Spirit? Why the Spirit anyway? Well, let me go ahead and say there is no church without the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to drop that bomb right there, and I would love to be able to just step away from the mic, but I can't just leave it there. The Holy Spirit literally birthed the church, gave life and form to the church. It was the Holy Spirit which brought what it means to be the church into being. We go back to our passage, and, and as the disciples are standing out in the streets preaching to these people, spreading the gospel, the good news, all of a sudden, thousands of people, thousands of people began adding to their numbers, and people begin to believe and come together. And it's not just people who are Jews, it's people from Parth uh, people who are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Yeah, some of those names are very hard to pronounce. I don't even know if I did it right. But it's all of these people who are in this conglomerate of people in their great diversity are the people who are being merged, formed into the church. And this cannot happen, does not happen, without the Holy Spirit. And here's what I mean. The Holy Spirit provides a way to unite a people of diversity into one body of believers. Today, as we celebrate the birth of the church, we recognize the church universal. Or, or in, our, in the Apostles' Creed, we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. That uh, word Catholic there, uh, when it's used with a, a small c, it means universal. The church which is across the entire globe. It's only by the Holy Spirit that this church came to be 
across the entire globe, gathering together today in many different languages and many different cultures, many different people of many different stories and backgrounds coming together today only made possible by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit provided a way to unite a people of diversity into one body of believers. This image that we have here in Acts chapter 2 of, of this, this space in which there are all of these different people, people from all across the region, uh, I mean, like a really vast array, and all these people speaking different languages. It brings up an image from Genesis known as the Tower of Babel. At the Tower of Babel, you may know this story, the uh, people began to gather together and to build a great tower that was supposed to reach up to the heavens. And God seeing that, uh, as the story goes, God sees that people, when they're united like this, are, are uh, too great a force to contend with, or something like that. Um, God then divides the people up into different languages so they can't communicate as easily. And so all of a sudden there's this mass of people who can't communicate with one another. It's just battle. It's just we're trying to figure out what's going on here, but we can't communicate properly. And then we get back into Acts after all of this time, and all of a sudden all of these people from all across different regions speaking various different languages begin to hear the gospel in their own language. And the language barrier is broken, shattered in a moment of the power of the Holy Spirit and the church as formed. The church is all of a sudden very real and present and active in the world the moment the Holy Spirit breaks through. And then we have a moment of flourishing for the church. The church begins to grow uh, through the Holy Spirit. But one of the issues with the, with the church growing this way is that there's a lot of reliance on people's word. People saying, well, the Holy Spirit told me this, or the Holy Spirit is moving us in this direction. And what if they're wrong? What if they just think it's the Holy Spirit, but it's really just their own ego? Or what if they know it's not the Holy Spirit, but they're just saying it's the Holy Spirit, so their words have authority and power? This is what the church ran into pretty early on, uh, as early on as the next couple of chapters in Acts. Um, we, get, we begin to see the church needing a little bit more structure, a little bit more structure to understand the Holy Spirit, to understand how the Holy Spirit moves. And then it doesn't take long before the church begins to replace the Holy Spirit with rules and structure and doctrine. It doesn't take long for us to start saying, well, these are the way that the church should operate. And people begin getting together to make these rules and to say in their tradition, yes, this is the way the church should be. It should not operate any other way. And this is all of a sudden where we get um, people starting to say, well, women shouldn't teach in the church. Or uh, these people shouldn't be allowed in the church, but these people should be. Um, you can only be in the church if you're baptized. All of this stuff and all of these rules start coming together because it's difficult for us to fully understand the Holy Spirit if we're not spending time with the Holy Spirit. And so the church begins to hit a couple of standstills. The church begins to hit a couple of walls as it begins to be replaced by rules and structure and doctrine. 
And then all of a sudden, it becomes a weapon. The church begins to be a way that people start to control one another. The church begins to be a means of lifting up some people and bringing down other people. And it, it becomes this volatile entity uh, and kind of still is in a lot of points of the world. Sometimes even right here at home, we begin to see the church still making these rules and structures and doctrine to, to limit some people while giving other people power. And we start to forget that the church is no longer the church without the Holy Spirit. It is by the Holy Spirit that the church came into formation. And so without the Holy Spirit, what ends up happening? What does the church become? Without the Holy Spirit, the church across the globe, not just right here, the church across the globe just becomes a social organization, a means by which people gather together, share their uh, thoughts and opinions, pay their dues, um, you know, attend their meetings, keep up some amount of structure, and then go on with their lives. Sometimes they're able to make a difference in their community, but without the Holy Spirit, the church is nothing more than a social club, a nonprofit organization. The church is just kind of another thing popping up on the corner there. We cannot neglect the Holy Spirit in what it means to be the church. And so during this time in which we began putting all of these shackles on the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to use that word shackles here, we begin to shackle the Holy Spirit down with our rules and our structure and our doctrine saying, all right, Holy Spirit, you can only work uh, during these times. Like uh, whenever we sing praises, we'll, we'll take off one of your handcuffs and you can reach out a little bit. Or whenever we're offering prayers, you can you know, step out a little bit further. But, you know, whenever we're doing our other rituals or whenever we're managing our money or whenever we are doing whatever else, saying who can and cannot be in here, we're going to keep you chained down. That's often what the church has done. Not so bluntly, obviously, but we kind of develop these shackles to hold this Holy Spirit back through our rules, structure, and doctrine. But what if, what if we loosed the shackles on the Holy Spirit? What if? we allowed the Holy Spirit to be unshackled in our church. What would happen? What would happen in our community? You know, there certainly could be some dangers with trying that, but what if we just allowed the Holy Spirit to move freely in our church? What if we made room for the Holy Spirit to move in power? Because remember what I said earlier, the Holy Spirit is what we make room for the Holy Spirit to be. So long as we make room for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come in and move in power. But if we're keeping the Holy Spirit out or chained up, there won't be a whole lot of movement from the Holy Spirit. So if we were to unshackle the Holy Spirit, what might we see? Well, let's take a look back at Acts chapter 2 on the day when the Holy Spirit was let loose on the world. All of a sudden, the disciples are together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rushing, violent wind, 
and it filled the entire place where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were, were filled with the, whole, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And they begin to preach this message, and this is what uh, Peter tells the people. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and all your sons and all your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show uh, portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just when we let the Holy Spirit unshackled. Whenever we unshackle the Holy Spirit, you know what else we do? We unshackle the universal church. With our rules and structure and doctrine, we've put limits on what it means to be the church. But if we let the Holy Spirit loose in our church, we might just unshackle ourselves and recognize that the church is not just some social organization for us to belong to, some club for us to attend, some right we feel like we have to go to, to attend and a go to. The church could become a tool of God crafted by the Holy Spirit for the mission of love to be carried out through us to the ends of the earth. Oh, if we would only unshackle the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit might move this mission of love through us to the ends of the earth. The next couple of chapters in Acts, we begin to see the disciples spreading out all across the globe, truly to the ends of the earth, sharing the gospel and good news as it reaches from continent to continent, country to country, person to person. That is the church, a community of people inspired by the Holy Spirit, sharing a message of love with each person they come in contact with. But friends, I'll tell you right now, that church doesn't exist without the Holy Spirit. That church doesn't exist, cannot exist without the Holy Spirit. And so my challenge for us today is a simple one, probably the most simple challenge I could ever offer. Ask for the Holy Spirit. That's it. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come, we cry out. Let that be your prayer this week, every day of this week, every day of the week after, every day of the years to come. We cry out, come Holy Spirit, come. Move in this place. We make room for you. We cry out, unite the church universal. Let us all be of one heart and one mind sharing together in this great love of God. Fill us with power that we might preach the good news to all we encounter and act in love and compassion to each person whom we face. Send us in love, Holy Spirit. Wherever we may go, may it be with compassion. Whether it be 
to the places where we see systemic injustice and oppression tearing apart our world at the seams, or whether it be within our own homes, or we are trying to figure things out there ourselves, wherever we might have to go, send us in love. Ask for the Holy Spirit, my friends. That is the one thing that I want us to do this Pentecost Sunday. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Loosen the shackles on the Holy Spirit and allow room for the Holy Spirit to move. Let us be, from this day forward, a Spirit-driven people. And let us pray.